The Courage to Lead, Episode 104. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having a phenomenal week. Um, I'm having a great week and I'm really excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Talal Gandal. Talal is the author of the number one international bestselling book, Turbocharged Networking, that shares the messages that care, value, and service are the three key elements to building human connection. And human connection is critical to networking and building authentic long-term relationships. Talal is also a speaker, and his mission is to help people cultivate the mindset and develop the skill set to become world-class networkers in their personal and business lives. Talal's super passions are building relationship equity, creating holistic success, and cultivating a savage mindset. He's also a maths lecturer, a boxing coach, and enjoys reading nonfiction and watching UFC. He also loves going to the gym, driving fast cars, and has an unhealthy relationship with protein shakes. Talal lives in uh, Leicester, England, with his wife, two kids, and two cats. Welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you for having me. We really appreciate it. No, this is awesome. So an unhealthy relationship with protein shakes, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's a really cool oxymoron, and I thought I had to put that in. <laughs> that is great. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to explore that. We're going to explore... Um, how you got to where you are now. We're going to talk a little bit about the book and the success that I've already had using some of the things in your book um, and then whatever else pops up. Uh, but before we get started, I've got 10 questions for you. These uh, listeners will know these are the questions that I ask every one of my guests. They were the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where James Lipton asks these questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So, Talal, if you're ready, I've got 10 questions for you. Question number one, what is your favorite word? My favorite word absolutely has to be love. Very nice. What's your least favorite word? I really have to think about that one because... Um, that's not an easy question to answer. I'll be honest with you. Um, but I guess my least favorite word um, has to be toxicity. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. What turns you on? Other people, other people's positive energy. Nice. What turns you off? Other people's negative energy. Toxicity. Yeah. Toxicity. Yeah. What what sound or noise do you love? I absolutely love the sound of running water. There's something about it that's so hypnotic. I love the sound of running water. Yeah. What sound or noise do you hate? I hate people moaning, people complaining nonstop, blaming others. Oh my word. It it, it like seriously, I I I exit that place as soon as I can. Where's the fire exit? Show me the fire yeah. exit. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? My favorite curse word is um, it, it, it's hell. Like what the hell? Okay. Yeah. What in the blue um, hell? Like, yeah. Like, 
Um, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Again, that's, that was a difficult question to answer. Um, and there's so many things I want to do, but uh, I have always, always, always wanted to fight in the UFC. So th that's probably the other profession that I would, I would okay. try and attempt. Yeah. Nice. Um, question nine, what profession would you not like to do? Um, that's, that was really interesting, actually, um, because I was thinking about it. And the one profession I had ruled out for myself was actually teaching because I'm not a very patient person. And I was <laughs> like, there's no way I'll ever be put, able to put up with kids in a classroom, in a lecture hall. It's not going to happen. And guess what? You know, I ended up being a math lecturer. So I, I, <laughs> it didn't quite play out the way I wanted it to. And I actually really enjoy it. Um, but um, I think definitely the profession that I, I do not... I uh, want to attempt is um, a, a, a children's physician. I, I don't think I'll be able to hold myself together. I, that's just too overwhelming to see children in distress. Yeah, I'm with you. Absolutely. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? What I really want to hear is you have done everything that I expected of you. Nice. You have served all the people that I expected you to. Good job. Followed by welcome, right? Yeah. I'm all in. Yeah. <laughs> this way, please. <laughs> this way. Yeah. With me, it would be uh, next line over. Okay. <laughs> this window is closed. <laughs> all right. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about uh, your teaching how you got started with that. Um, your passion for networking. That is the one thing I really, really want to talk about and stuff in your book and whatever else comes up. We'll talk about certainly uh, courage and where you found the courage to, to start your business. All right. So we will, uh, listeners, stick with us. We'll be back right after this. So hang in there. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. All right, and I'm back with my guest, Talal. Uh, welcome again. Thanks you for, for being a guest on the show. Thanks for agreeing to come on as a guest. Tell me how you got started. So you said you, you didn't really want to be a teacher, but you kind of ended up being a math teacher. Tell me about that. So the story begins when I was uh, finishing up with my university studies. And at university, I studied financial economics. Um, and uh, when I graduated, that was 2009, right after the crash. And uh, there weren't really any opportunities available for me because um, I wanted to go in the fin financial sector and it just didn't work out for me. I had some family issues as well. And um, so everything kind of was, you know, aligned against me in a way. And I just couldn't go and, and you know, join the financial sector like I had planned to. I had put three years of my life into getting my degree, studied really hard, um, and um, it, it just wasn't working out. But what I did found was the fact that everybody around me is just like, you know what, you're good at talking to people. You should, you should maybe try and 
you know, do some teaching. That'll be cool. And uh, an opportunity came along where I got to, in the final year of university, I got to uh, tutor the first and the second year students on some of the modules that they were struggling with, because uh, some of them were foreign students, and so English wasn't their first language. They had, you know, struggles with that. Some of the other people, they weren't uh, had a, they didn't necessarily have a good mathematical background, or didn't have a very good financial or economics background. So they were struggling with some of the modules, and so there was like a part of funding put together to um, hold extra sort of like workshops for those students to attend. And um, I got actually signed up on that program, and I got a chance to teach. I really enjoyed it you know what i thought this is this is pretty cool um but i still don't think that you know i i can handle myself in a classroom for an entire day like this workshop is like an hour and i prepare my notes i come here i teach and then after an hour i go you know that's that's pretty cool and uh, it, they're kind of like my peers they're just like a year below me and they're kind of like my peers and we have a good discussion we have a good talk and um you know i i, I sort of uh, use the the um, method of asking question and eliciting what they already know and kind of just fill in the gaps. So, you know, I'm not there to actually do an entire lecture, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think I'll be able to hold myself together in the classroom. And um, but you know the 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 way situation was eventually um, I got opportunity to kind of work with a secondary school um, as a teaching assistant, and so I just took it because there was nothing else available. I just took it, and uh, that's how I kind of got into the education because every everyone around me were just like, you know what, you're good at talking to people, just try it, you know, just, just have a go and you're good at math. So math would be a good one for you to go for. And eventually I ended up becoming a math lecturer. So, you know, I lecture people <laughs> on maths now. So that's the background story of how I got into teaching. That's awesome. So economics, right? That's pretty good. That I mean, it seems like, especially after the crash in 2009, that there would have been a lot of opportunities, you know, because people were saying, what the heck happened? How did we get to where we are? Yeah, um, it was an interesting time. Um, I had actually just graduated from university and I didn't know much about the actual practical world, right? So in university, as you know, you, you're still in a bubble, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're surrounded by academics and, and they're, you know, at the top of their fields, which is fantastic, um, but you're still surrounded in a bubble. You know, practical life is very, very different to, you know, the, the life that you get uh, being a university student. So I was still kind of protected. I was still in that bubble. And um, like I mentioned earlier, I also had some, you know, um, some serious family issues going on. So I was very young and it didn't have much else um, to, in a way, to rely on, to guide somebody there, to guide me, et cetera. And I had to find my way through the whole situation with the crash after graduating. I had just, you know, student debt and, you know, family issues. So navigating all that, I mean, it, it all just lined up to, you know, in a way, get me into education. And so I ended up there. Wow. And um, the opportunities in economics, um, the, maybe something that I missed, but just the way the the, the things were lining up for me, um, I, I didn't find any at the time. Hmm. And so how long did you teach? Um, I actually taught in uh, secondary school for a while and okay. uh, then moved on and worked with some adults. And uh, actually, currently, I'm working at a vocational college where I uh, teach maths um, and I'm a math lecturer there. So um, I work with teenagers and adults. Nice. Yeah. And you're a boxing coach. How did yes. you get involved with that? Have you always been in the <laughs> physical stuff? Yeah. Um, 
to the point where I've actually earned the nickname Mr. Extreme. My, my friends have actually nicknamed me Mr. Extreme because like I, I like to push things to the very limit. Um, and um, so, you know, what happened was I come from a martial arts background. You know, when I was younger, I got into Taekwondo and uh, I did pretty good. I, I won a few championships um, and, uh, you know, those gradings, those belts, um, some trophies and, and shields and things like that that you get in Taekwondo. And uh, from there, when um, I finished university, one of my friends was an amateur boxer and an amateur MMA fighter and um, he's like you know what um you should come and train with us I mean you finished university why don't you come in the gym and, and train with some of the guys you got amazing you know taekwondo knowledge your kicks are great your footwork is amazing show us you know what you can do because I think a lot of people can really benefit from what you know because I, I I had obviously you know done really well in taekwondo I had sparred against you know people who were like three times world champion so I had a lot of experience that I could bring in and I got into that and uh, you know it was it was a full MMA gym so they did boxing they did you know jujitsu they did grappling they did wrestling etc and so he took me to the cage and he, he's like okay so you show me your kicks and i'll show you some of this stuff and i was like yeah that's cool so i started helping him with the kicks and then he's showing me you know some of the mma stuff and you know other things and help me with my boxing and i'm like hold on you're telling me i can hit people with my fists my elbows my knees and my kicks i can pick them up i can slam them on the ground i can choke them out i can put them in you know joint locks like arm bars and knee bars and all sorts of other stuff and i can really hurt them where do i start <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that that was that and then you know i i got into mma and i i did i trained there had a few fights um and uh, so now because you know with family kids etc you know and, and i had a few injuries blew my knee out car accident messed up my back etc um so um I'm, uh, I'm i'm not actively fighting anymore but i still coach like coach boxing for kids on the weekends uh, I teach a boxing class and uh, some of the other guys at the gym, if they're going for uh, their MMA fights or things like that, I kind of work with them, train them up, you know, spar with them, coach them uh, and corner them. Nice. And it's the discipline, you know, yes. of, of all that. That's so important. You know, a lot of people look at boxing on television or the MMA and they think, oh, they're just thugs out there wanting to hurt people. It's like, no, that's that's not what it's about. It's no. about the discipline because you have to overcome your mindset you have to overcome your fears and, you know, and stick to, to the training. And I think that's important for, for anyone growing up. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I believe that um, martial arts and combat sports uh, should be a must for everyone because the discipline, the self-control, the habits um, of, uh, you know, focus and never giving up and grit um, you know, you, you, cannot work and especially you know being staying calm under pressure you will not get in any other environment like that okay you're in a cage you're locked in and somebody's trying to take your head off and you have to stay calm you have to like defend yourself intelligently and then counterattack and you know be ready for anything mm -hmm. um that takes a lot of self-discipline so really the biggest battle the biggest war the biggest fight you have is always with yourself because you're always trying to get better you're trying to learn more you're trying to push yourself and same with your friends and coaches right mm -hmm. your teammates you're helping them you're learning from your coaches um so it's 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 such in you know those important values those ideals i believe 
um, are, are invaluable and you cannot get them in any other environment like that, which is why both my kids, uh, my son is nine and my daughter, she's six. They do wrestling, they do boxing, they do nice. mixed martial arts. I put them into combat, so they do gymnastics, they do swimming, they do horse riding, they do a lot of stuff. But definitely I put them into combat sports because that mindset of, yeah. you know, competing and winning and becoming a champion and training every single day going round after round knowing that you're going to go to the gym and you're going to mm -hmm. you know somebody's going to hit you mm -hmm. that that's not <laughs> that's not a nice thought to have right you're going to go right. there and you're going to get hit and you're going to you might there's a risk of injury but being able to go there and keep yourself disciplined and training keeping calm under pressure there's nothing nothing that will prepare you like yeah. you know combat sports absolutely and then one thing I always appreciated at the end of the MMA fights is the guys come out and hug each other or shake yeah. hands or something like that. They know I'm here to prove my skills, not just here to hurt you. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a, a battle of skills, a battle of wits more yeah. than almost anything. So absolutely. It's two people who are highly trained in that one discipline. Right. And they're show, showcasing their skill. Right. That's what's actually happening. It's it's the competition at the highest level. And with MMA, especially, I believe it's the most complete sport in the world because you need everything. everything. You need everything. You need strength, power. You know, you need endurance. You need lots and lots and lots of technique in multiple disciplines. You have to master multiple, both offense and defensively. Um, and then MMA in it, all thing is, is very weird because, you know, it's not just throwing your hands like boxing. It's not just throwing kicks like Taekwondo. Uh, it's not just wrestling where you just kind of like, you know, trying to get the other person down and pin them down. It's everything. Everything. And you never know what they're going to throw at you. So exactly. you never know what you have to come back with. So exactly. So it's it's wow. it's the most complete sport in the world in my in, in my opinion. Excellent. Very cool. And so then how did you get into networking? That seems like a little bit of a, a leap from MMA <laughs> and UFC into in networking. Where did that start? That started in 2015, where um I lost my job as a, a maths teacher, all of a sudden, uh, I go to the office, I'm unpacking my laptop and getting ready for the day. We all got ushered into the manager's office, two executives walk in and just say, that's it, we're closing down the whole place. Everybody's lost their job. Wow. Bye-bye, right? Um, and it, it was just a massive shock. You can imagine, you know, the panic, the shock, the disbelief, the anger, the, 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 the you know, the sadness, like it was, it was just like a, a massive orgy of emotions that you kind of just go through and, and you don't even know what you're feeling at that point. Right. It's just everything. You're just devastated. And um, so I, um, I reached out to my friends at the time and people I knew, and I was like, Hey, just heard the news. What should I do? And uh, all of them came back with, um, you know, I'm really sorry to hear that. I'm sure everything will work out. I hope, where, you know, it all goes well. You should apply for more jobs. And okay. I was like, well, thank Brilliant. you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that didn't, didn't, didn't take rocket science to work that one out. Yeah. But at the same time, I realized that was my first encounter. And I and definitely realized that the people at the time that I had in my life were all great people, you know, but uh, they, they were limited in you know, the, the connections they had, the access to opportunities they had, like they couldn't point me and say, Hey, go there, talk to this person and he might have something for you. Or, you know what? I, I just heard that this, uh, these people, um, are actually looking for something and you might be a good fit. So call these people. Here's a number to ring. Here's the person to connect with. Here's an email address that I can chuck at you. None of that came along. Mm -hmm. And so obviously in that 
time in that space when you know you have nothing else to fall back on and you've just heard this devastating news what do you do um you know you obviously do the the the, the obvious thing apply for more jobs but at the same time you realize you you, you try and re-evaluate your entire life and that's what i went through um and um i heard this uh jim roncourt from a podcast at the time because i was listening to podcasts and things like mm -hmm. that which I, I normally do anyway and it says you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with yes and that was like a brick hitting me in the face and i was like yeah this is it i need to, i need to upgrade my five i need yeah. to upgrade my five so i started joining facebook groups self-help groups personal development groups start hanging on you know other people who are in the same sort of journey and are doing amazing people have gone have got amazing stories gone through so much and still they're trying to you know make a difference in the world and i thought this would be really cool if i shared these conversations with other people um and so i started like a youtube show like this interview podcast that we're doing right now and i started interviewing them and that led me to connect to you know some top thought leaders top influencers you know a top experts in in their respective fields in the world and um which was mind-blowing because i was like how did i end up here i am you know i, I I'm, I'm a math teacher like you know talk to me about fractions i will rock your world but you know i don't come from a business background i don't come from yeah. an entrepreneurial or sales background i don't know a thing about this world and yet here i am um, you know, connected with some of the most successful people in the world and I'm friends with them, right? I, I know I have access to their personal calendar. I can book a call with them whenever I want. We're exchanging gifts and exchanging emails, um, you know, and things like that. And it's just, that's, that's insane. Um, you know, so I, I, I started to look at that much deeply and especially when COVID hit, I was like, I need to put it all together um, in, in, and give it some sort of structure. I need to put it in a framework that maybe other people can follow too, um, because I didn't come from that world and yet I found so much success. So what is it? And in a way, I discovered this model, this new model of connecting, building relationships and networking. Um, and that model is what my book is really about. The message behind my book is, um, you know, care, value and service, right? Those are the ideals, right? Those are the turbochargers to building any relationship in your personal life or your business life. This is what you're looking for, care, value, and service. So if you put yourself in the mindset of always showing up from a place of care, value, and service, no matter which conversation you're having, no matter who you're having that conversation with, you will be able to have successful interactions, but more importantly, you'll be able to have long-lasting, deep, meaningful relationships because each interaction we have, first of all, we need to recognize it's natural. We talk to people all the time. Networking is not like a thing that we have to do. It's not a chore. It's not a task that you have to tick off the list or something. It happens right. naturally, right? And so networking is not just restricted to the sales world or the business world or the corporate world, right? It's not just about KPIs and numbers. And it's not just about connecting with so many people so you can generate more clients. You can generate more, you know, numbers and sales and et cetera. What it's really about is connecting with another human, mm -hmm. connecting your soul to another human, connecting your soul to their soul. Sure. Right? But it's connecting intentionally. Yes. You can have and, conversations with people and yep. it not go anywhere. But yep. in a networking situation, you have to be intentional yep. with, with exactly. you know, have in mind exactly what it is you want to get out of that, that conversation, right? Absolutely. It has to be intentional. It has to be purposeful. And you cannot have a preset agenda about it. 
okay? In the sense that you're driving towards, um, you know, a sale. I'm trying to get a client. I want to, you know, get something from this person, an opportunity or, you know, some money or whatever it is that you're after, okay? Yeah. You can't have the preset agenda. The Your whole agenda has to be care, value, and service. It's the purpose of how can I connect with this person at a much deeper level by following the ideals, by coming from a place of care, value, and service. Nice. And I have a copy of your book. I bought the copy of your book, was going through it. And I've got to tell you, I, I picked up a lot of good advice from here. One thing that you said, um, just reach out to everybody you know and just say, how can I support you? And I did that. I went through my LinkedIn list of, of everybody I know, and I sent out just a real simple, simple, you know, uh, message. Um, and I think I did it through email too. How can I support you? Not asking for anything, not going on and on about stuff. I got some of the most amazing responses from people. And they said either, here's how you can support me, or they said, I'm great. How can I help you? And that opened all kinds of new doors. Something that simple, but you're right. If you come just with the the care, the value, the service of others, it'll come back, right? They're reciprocating. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, what uh, um, is referred to as a reciprocity impulse, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, there's a lot of research done by, um, you know, Professor Sheldini. Um, you know, he's, he's written books on it uh, as well. I think is uh, one of his top selling books is Influence. Uh, and he talks a lot about it there, the, the idea of reciprocity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people will reciprocate how you show up, right. right? So you showed up, you know, from a place of care, value and service, just saying, hey, how can I support you? Not asking for anything. There's no preset agenda. You just generally want to connect with them purposefully and intentionally, of course, yeah but from a place of care, value, and service. And so what happens is that, you know, you you got those amazing responses, like you say, you know, of people turning around and say, here's how you can help me, or they're turning around and saying, hey, I'm good, and how can I help you? And, uh, you know, that only got triggered because you did something to trigger it. And so this is the key thing we need to understand. We always talk about the people that like we, we blame. Oh, nobody's ever, you know, asked me for help. I've got nobody to support me. Um, you know, I've got people who I've been friends with and, and they don't talk to me, et cetera. And the question is like, well, yeah, but what, what have you done? Yeah. Right. What have you done for them? Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, it's not how you see yourself. It's about how other people see you. So can you influence? I mean, this is one of the things that, you know, you talk about a lot is it's courage, right? Mm-hmm. So it's the, it's the courage to influence. It's the courage to influence others, but it's the courage to influence others positively, intentionally, purposefully from a place of care, value, and service. And that's what you did. You influenced other, but it took courage on your side to take the action, send that message to influence them. Yeah. And that got reciprocated and it came back to you. Absolutely. And we see it in simple things. You know, when you really think about it, if I hold the door open for somebody, they hold the door open for the next person. It's just you, somebody does something nice for you. You want to do something nice back or to someone else, right? And kind of pay it forward. And that was just an eye opener because I'm so used to people reaching out to me on LinkedIn or something like that. And it's like, Hey, I saw your profile and I'd love for you to buy my, you know, whatever it is. Right. It's like, you don't even know me. Mm. Why are you trying to sell me? And so taking this approach of just checking in, hey, how are you? Hey, what can I do to help? You know, that type of thing. Yeah, it's magic. It works. Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. There's there's uh, something I, uh, I talk about in my book and it's called the magic question. Um, and the magic question is uh, specifically constructed to elicit that reciprocity response from them. Um, and the, the question is really simple. Like anybody can ask that question to anybody around them okay you can you can change some of the wording you can phrase it in a different way you know anything that that you're you're comfortable with but essentially the question is this what are you working on right now and where do you need help nice. don't don't say how can i help you necessarily right. because a lot of times they don't they don't know you know that what what are the different ways that you can help them but if they can tell you what they're struggling with mm -hmm. then you take on the responsibility in a way to figure out how you can help them which is much more productive and much more constructive for the other person um because essentially they're getting a disproportionate rate of return right the, nice. the return is disproportional all they have to do is say to you hey this is what i'm struggling with right this is what's on my mind. Mm -hmm. And that maybe take them two minutes to actually send a quick message or uh, reply to your audio message or whatever. Um, takes them maybe like a minute or two. But if you figure out a way to help them with something that they're actually genuinely struggling with, maybe mm -hmm. for you know weeks and months or even years, that's a massively disproportional rate of return that they are getting on their investment of just two minutes of their time. That is the, the real sort of like um, the turbocharger to yeah. like winning people over, to influencing them. Um, but it takes, like, like we talked about earlier, it takes that courage to reach out. A lot yeah. of times we're so self-absorbed with ourselves up here. Um, we're either beating ourselves up, like I'm not good enough, I'm not you know, uh, smart enough, I'm not attractive enough, you know, I want other people to see me in a certain way, and I don't know how to do that. And I think everybody's judging me and all sorts of other stuff. We're either doing that, or we're trying to just complain to ourselves, I don't have this, and I don't have that. And I lack this. And only if I had this, life would be so much better, right? We're constantly going through that dialogue. Yeah, so what yeah. if we flip that? What if we flip that? And we start asking a better question? What the question was, well, how can I help Harlan right now? Okay, I know I have my issues. Everybody has their issues, right? We're all human. That's the human condition, right? It's never gonna be perfect. As long as we're alive, like your question says, you know, when you go to heaven, that's when you get, you know, everything sorted for you, right? <laughs> but in this life, you don't, right? right? You don't get everything sorted for you. But it, you need to find the courage within yourself, yeah. right? You need to find the courage within yourself. And I, I think in a way it's self-courage that comes first. Yeah. It's self-courage to step up and be just like, I'm going to ask better questions. I'm going to show up in a better way. I'm going to make sure that I should come from a place of care, value and service. And I want to genuinely help serve and connect with other people. That's a genuine thing. It's not, we can't fake it, okay? No. Um, you cannot fake it because there's a, a research from the University of New South Wales, which I quote in my book, uh, which, highlights the fact that you know we have a very highly evolved sense of intuition we can tell when somebody's faking it we can tell when somebody's pushing an agenda we can tell when somebody's hiding something when they're not being genuine and not being authentic when they're not being transparent we can sense that we're not be able to voice it or describe it with words but man can we sense it yep all right and it only gets better with exposure um ex uh, exposure and experience so the more people you meet the more people you connect with the better you get at judging them Nice. Okay, so we know that from research. So we can't fake this, you generally have to make that intention. And this is why I say you have to develop the mindset 
first before you get into the skill set and go into the strategies. Because then the strategies will actually work. For, I can share strategies. You can read my book. You can read loads of other books on networking strategies. But none of that will work for you if your heart and your mind are not in the right place. If you're not being authentic, if you're not being genuine, if you're not being transparent. Yeah. If you're only there to sell, then it, it just won't work. Like you said, it'll come through. What I like about that magic question is, if I say, how can I help? Then it's like, I'm out, out here for myself. I'm only in it for, for me. But if I say, where do you need help? That opens it up to all the connections that I have that I could funnel your direction, right? So it definitely takes the, the pressure off. That's great. I love yeah, that. absolutely. And it's not the responsibility of the person anymore to figure out like, oh, this is how you can help me, right? It, 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 you just you just ask them, hey, what are you struggling with? You tell me what you're struggling with. I will see if I can find a way to help you. Yeah, nice. So you brought up courage. Where did you find the courage? I mean, uh, I've been in a position like that before where you come in one morning and suddenly they say, this is over, pack your stuff and go home. Or here's a box, <laughs> pack your stuff. Um, that can be devastating. And then not knowing where to go from there and stuff like that. Where did you find the courage to say, I'm going to use this opportunity to write the book and to help other people? Where, where did that come from? I think, like I say, it's, uh, it's all starts with self-courage. There are other types of courage. You know, we, we know that, you know, and, and mm -hmm. you, you, you talk about it uh, on your podcast. Um, there are many different, there's moral courage, there's spiritual courage, there's physical courage, there's, um, you know, um, the intellectual courage, there's so many different types of courage. But I believe it all starts from self-courage, right? You need to really take inventory of who you are right now, where you are right now, and does that actually define you? Hmm. The situation you are in, is that all you have? Is that, is, does that accurately describe who you are? Does that accurately define who you are. I was jobless. I lost my job. And like you mentioned, you had a similar experience. Does that actually define you? Nope. I think that that's where the courage needs to come from. You need to ask yourself the question, does that actually, is this who I am? Right. If it's not, I'm not just some unemployed guy. I have more value to offer. Then we need to figure out a way. And that's my responsibility to do that. Okay. Is it going to be easy? No. Is it going to be worth it? Oh yeah. Yeah. But it's a mindset. It's, it's the approach. Um, I heard somebody talk about, you know, people always say, Oh, I'm so fat. I'm so fat. It's like, you are not fat. You have fat, but that doesn't define you. It's not who you are. It's like saying, you know, I'm fingernail. No, you're not. You have <laughs> fingernails, but you're not right. Yeah. There's more to you than just that. And it's the same thing. The situation that happens to you was a situation. And to me, that's the difference between being a victim and being victimized. Victimized is past tense. It happened to me. I acknowledge that it happened to me, but I'm not currently a victim. I'm not just going to stand here and wallow in, in victimhood. You know what I mean? It happened, but I'm past that now. And I think yeah. that's what you're talking about, the mindset. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually write a, a weekly blog on um, on uh, LinkedIn. I, I write weekly articles and also a weekly blog on my website, um, you know, which is turboshotnetworking.com. And what I... I did in one of the articles was actually explored this idea of the fact that all your relationships start with the relationship you have with yourself. Nice. Self-courage, yeah. right? So the relationship with you that you have with yourself, 
allows you to find the self-courage to move forward in those difficult situations, in those challenging, adverse, you know, situations where you're struggling, where you're almost hopeless, right? But it all starts with the relationship that you have with yourself. So you need to ask yourself, you know, the difficult questions that we usually try and avoid, right? The difficult questions about your identity, your values, because your identity and your values are what drive you. So if you're clear on your identity, if you're clear on your value, then the situation, well, you know, that that's just kind of like, you know, something that 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 just happens, you know, it, it comes up regardless, but that doesn't change who, what your identity is, that doesn't change what your values are. Okay. So for example, I was jobless, but that's not my identity, you know. I'm not going to say I'm unemployed. Well, I lost my job. There's a difference. And similarly, how I use the example of the person who was saying, I am fat. No, you're not fat. You have fat and you can do something about it to get rid of it, right? Yeah. Similarly, I could do something about it to find a job or, you know, find some work or whatever. So it's it's the relationship that you have with yourself because the negative self-talk that I referred to before, right? The negative self-talk where you're constantly beating yourself up. I'm not good enough. I can't achieve this. You know, I'm, I, I want other people to see me like this, but everybody's just judging me. Everybody's putting me down. All the people around me, they're just rubbish. And you pass the blame to other people all the time, other things, external circumstances, right? That takes away your power, your self-courage to actually do something about the situation that you're in. So really, you need to fix the relationship with yourself in order to develop the self-courage to take the right actions and get out of the situation or achieve your goals or overcome the challenges or overcome the problems that you have. Love it. Very cool. So if I was to run into any of these uh, students you, you're teaching as far as uh, the, the boxing and, and martial arts and everything like that, if I was to run into any of them and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? That's a, a great question because um, I believe that courage, leadership, influence, they're all in a triangle. They're three corners of a triangle. And we need to make sure that we are exactly in the center of that triangle. Nice. So like I said, I mentioned that blog for you before, right? That I, that I write weekly. The, the, I, I put the articles up on LinkedIn um, weekly as well. And one of the articles, I actually tell a story of, I was teaching a boxing session and um, I, I was telling them, you know, a, a combination that they had to do on the bag so they could practice it. Um, and I showed them a combination. And then I was kind of moving around the group. They were all working on bags spread out in the gym. I was moving around the whole class and just making sure everybody's got the right technique, right form. They're, you know, keeping their hands up. They're, you know, moving um, the, 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 around the bag and things like that. So it's just technique that I was working on, you know, um, at the time. And for one of the boys in my class, um, his dad was there. So I, I asked his dad to keep an eye on him because he kept losing form. He kept losing his stance. He kept losing his form, kept dropping his hands. And so I was like, can you just keep an eye on him? Um, I, I've, I've shown him, he kind of knows what to do, but just when he does it, he kind of forgets and can you keep an eye on him? So I went to move around the class. I talked to everybody, you know, and then I turned around and what I saw is that that boy was crying. 
he's crying. He's getting very upset, very worked up, right? He's getting almost hysterical. His dad's there, who's also getting very frustrated with him. Um, and as I start to walk towards, I'm like, what is going on? I need to figure this out. What happened? Right? It was all good when I left. And then suddenly, you know, what's happened? So I start to walk towards him and I hear him say, I'm, I'm, I, I feel like using the F word. And his dad's just almost like he's at boiling point. He's just going to, he's going to, like the roof is going to blow off at this stage, right? This is a nuclear meltdown situation going on. So I go over and um, I kneel down to eye level to him. And uh, I, 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 and his dad kind of sees me coming. So he's like, okay, so the, he's here now. I'm going to move away. So he automatically moves away. Um, and um, I, I get onto eye level with him and I ask him, it seems like you're really upset. You're crying right now. Can you tell me why you're so upset? Why are you crying? And he just comes up and like, I can't do it. I've been here so many times and I still can't do it. I've come here before. And I just, you know, I always get it wrong. I, I'm never going to learn. I'm never going to get this. I'm not. And I was like, okay, all right. So have you ever given up in class? And he's like, no. So you're telling me that you complete all the workouts that I give you. Okay, and my the workouts I give them are pretty savage. I have to I have to say, like the warm up itself takes thirty five minutes wow. with you know at least a hundred and two hundred burpee jumps, a hundred squats, a hundred sit ups, and a hundred press ups. Right, that's just the warm up and thirty five minutes of skipping. Um, so I was like, "Have you ever given up?" He's like, "No." I was like, "Okay, so you've never given up in class." Then tell me, have I ever made you the leader? He's like, "Yes, you have made me the leader." Because I, I make different students a leader based on their 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 effort that they put in. And I say, you're going to be the leader because you showed them the most effort. And so I say, you're telling me that I made you the leader multiple times in class. You've never given up in class, right? But here you are crying and upset over something that you cannot, you think that you won't be able to learn, okay? So am I right in assuming that if you do the same thing here, you never give up, you never stop, you keep the same mentality, we'll be able to learn this and we'll be able to get this, okay? I was so impressed by you that I actually made you the leader multiple times in class. You led the whole class for me, okay? So stop beating yourself up. Stop having this negative self-talk, okay? You need to respect yourself first, okay? Because if you don't respect yourself, no one else will. You need to treat yourself as the king because if you don't see yourself as the king, you don't actually respect yourself enough and view yourself as the king. Nobody else will. Yeah. Nobody else will. So keep that in mind. And since then, you know, I finished off the conversation with like, remember, kings don't quit. And that almost became like a mantra in our gym. Kings right. don't quit. Kings don't quit. And so every time in class, you know, when, 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 when we're working out and it's getting hard, it's, you know, we, we always repeat the man, mantra, you know, kings don't quit. And so that is how I believe you develop leaders, right? That's how you be, I believe you develop. Because I believe you, we don't need more products. We don't need more solutions. We don't need more services in the world necessarily. We need to develop people. So they can go and serve the higher purpose. They can go and make a difference and make an impact and, and make this world a better place. We need to develop people. And I believe that that is how you develop leaders. Nice. Yeah. And uh, a task of a leader is to create more leaders, not more followers, right? Yeah, exactly. Plenty of, plenty of followers. We don't need any more. <laughs> yeah. But the, 
just the way this all ties back into the mixed martial arts and training that you have, where you have to be prepared for anything. You can't do one thing and just do this one thing over and over and get real comfortable doing that because the minute something either doesn't go right or something else is handed to you, you're lost. Do a lot of different things, experience a lot of things, read a lot of different books. We love traveling. We love trying different sports. We love trying different foods. We love you know reading and, and watching different movies just so we can get that experience, right? Because you just never know where that information is going to come and, and help you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think th- this is why I, I talk about combat sports being essential because they put you in that mindset, um, you know, of overcoming adversity, yeah. right? You could be faced with anything and you have to find a way, yeah. uh, which is why I put both my kids in there. And I told my wife, you know, when, when they were very young, when they were really born and I'm just like, listen, you know, I, 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 I'm telling you one thing and there's no compromise here. It's the fact that, you know, all of my kids, no matter how many we end up having, they're all going through combat sports. Nice. Okay. They need to understand how to overcome adversity. They need to understand how to cope under pressure. Okay. Mm-hmm. To be self-disciplined. Okay. And make sure that they, they respect, they respect themselves, yeah. they respect the environment and they respect everybody else around them. And there's no better way to learn than actual combat sports. Yeah. Um, and I, I genuinely believe that, you know what, for kids and even for, for adults, it's the fact that when you go through something physical, right? Mm-hmm. When it's something physical, it almost gets ingrained in your DNA, right? So yeah. combat sports is a perfect example of that because something physical, but whilst it's actually physical, it's much more than it's spiritual, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's emotional, it's mental, it's psychological. And so all of those things are getting work. It's not just like the, oh yeah, I can do like, you know, a a, a spinning head kick. You know, that's not the final outcome. The outcome is the mindset, the the higher ideals that get ingrained in your DNA for the rest of your life. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not only the self-discipline, it's the self-confidence it builds that you can handle. Any situation comes at you. That's that's priceless. And I think that's important for leadership. I think that's really important for leadership, you know, that the leaders are able to adapt. The leaders are able to find the courage. And I I think this is really important. They need to find the self-courage to take the right actions, to do what is necessary, not do what they're capable of. And this is an important distinction. Don't do what you're capable of. Do what is required. That's what leaders need to, you know, need to do. That's what we need leaders to perform at. That's the level they need to be performing at. Not what they're capable of, but what is actually required. Excellent. Good job. Good job. Paul, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. If people want to get in touch with you or, or follow you, how can they do that? Where can they, do you have a website they can go out to? Absolutely. So I, I briefly mentioned the website earlier. It's called www.turbochargenetworking.com. 
altogether, no spaces, just turbochargednetworking.com. Um, they can go there to find out more about the book. They can read the blog and check, you know, a few cool things out there. Um, but I hang around LinkedIn. So if they're on LinkedIn, they can just search for my name, Talal Gondal. Um, and uh, I pop up and I believe there's only one Talal Gondal in the world. So <laughs> that should be an easy one to find. Um, so they can definitely go on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, I love to hear from people. I love to, you know, connect with them and find out what they're working on, what are they struggling with and where do they need help? Excellent. Very cool. And the book, Turbocharged Networking, I highly recommend it. Great book, good information in there and stuff and put it to use because it does work. Really appreciate it. Thank you again. Thank you for being on the show. And listeners, I, yeah, I hope you guys um, were taking notes. A lot of good information here. Um, but yeah, check out, check out the book and uh, follow him on LinkedIn. All right. And uh, if you like this episode, make sure you share it with your family, friends, and colleagues and stick around because there's always more coming. That's it for me. Coach Harlan saying so long for now. <laughs>